Hello, you are listening to Channel 6, a Toronto hockey podcast affiliated with the Leafs Nation website. It is Monday morning. We are so excited that you are joining us. I am Meredith at Mare Out Loud on Twitter, and I'm here with John Steitzer. Want to say hi, John? Hello, hello. Oh my God, I was waiting for you to be like, hi, John, because that's such a dad joke, and I know you're a big dad joke person but fine it's monday morning too. it's i'm, I'm gonna be true. missing on the dad jokes i've got okay, my coffee fine. i am i am also still working on my first coffee so this should be this should be fun for both of us but um we are here just the two of us today we've had some guests our last two episodes which has been so much fun but it's just me and john today to talk all things toronto hockey um and there is lots of toronto hockey to talk about not just the leafs in fact we're going, to, uh, we're going to make the Leafs wait a few minutes while we talk about the other Toronto hockey team that was making waves over the last couple of days. So the Isabel Cup playoffs were this weekend. After a pause in the season due to COVID concerns, the NWHL was back and the Toronto Six in their freshman debut season were the top seed. So they played the Boston Pride Friday night. John, did you watch? I didn't get a chance, so uh, well, I, I, I will watched, turn so over. I <laughs> yeah, I'll turn it over to <laughs> you for let the me expert analysis. Yeah. Yes, I I watched the game. They played the Pride on Friday at five, which was really fun because my daughter got to watch with me, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit because it was actually really, um, it was really great. It was really meaningful. She's not, d- despite my best interests, she is not super into the idea of hockey yet. Um, she really likes listening to the anthems because they are songs and she enjoys songs, but she's not really into hockey. But she came into the room while I was watching the Six Play Boston on Friday. And I said, I told her, I said, I'm watching the girls play hockey. And she paused for a minute. And then she heard the um, the commentary, which was an all-female broadcast team. And she looked at me and she goes, wait, I swear, this is like direct conversation. Wait, My daughter's four for people listening. <laughs> is it girls? in the hockey game and girls outside the hockey game and i was like yeah it's it's girls playing and girls talking about it and she goes and girl coaches and i was like yeah it's it's all girls and she went i can't like this is a podcast not a video so she put her hands in like like she like fist pumped like down like she did like a little jump and she goes that's awesome and then she watched and she was super into it so that and i tweeted about that which a lot of people saw it kind of it was posted in a few places that but that's like a real story that actually happened she was so into it and that was really great that that she um realizes now that that this is a thing and I actually I was lucky enough to be on the postgame pressers um and I asked um Toronto Six Captain Cheyenne D'Arcangelo and Head Coach and President Digit Murphy um, and Michaela Grant-Mentis was on the call. I, I told them that story and then I, I sort of asked them, you know, what does that mean to you to know that despite the fact that the Six lost, which of course we will acknowledge in a minute, I haven't yet mentioned that, <laughs> um, purposefully that wasn't an oversight. I didn't want to lead with that because I think there's just so much more that's important about this. But um, I asked them, like, what does that mean? And um, Michaela said, and it was... It was so, um, like, it didn't even occur to me, but she said, how, like, profound that at four, your daughter realized that most of the time when watching hockey, the voices she hears are men, and that when watching this game, the voices she heard were women's. And that, like, really struck me, like, that, true, like, how, how real is that? 
So that was really, that was just all of that was a really cool experience. Um, despite the fact, like I said, that the six did lose, um, they did come in as top seed. We, you know, if you if you look back to our coverage from the Lake Placid bubble, they had a rocky start there. It took them a couple games to get going. But then once they did, they had a four-game winning streak and ended up um, as the top seed. So, you know, they are a new team playing together and they were coming in, you know, everyone was coming in sort of cold, but they they haven't had as long as a team together as the other teams in the league have. And I think that that was really the detriment this for this game. Um, Digit also said, and they, I have to say the mood in the post Zoom calls was not was not super negative. Like they seemed pretty pleased and happy with the fact that they made it to the playoffs the way that they did, that they played hard and that, you know, they know that they're just they're just getting started and they're building from here. So it was a pretty joyful mood in those post-game pressers, despite the fact that they lost. Um, so that's sort of my very sort of brief, quick rundown of that game. Um, but it was it was really fun to watch them all throughout the season. I had promised in my post-game that I have um, a season reflective up yesterday. And unfortunately, life got in the way and I didn't. But I will have that up tomorrow on TLN, um, a reflective piece on the season with not just my voice, but I had actually put out on Twitter, maybe some of you saw a survey for other people to um, share their thoughts uh, about what the NWHL season meant to them. And I'm definitely, I got over a hundred responses, which blows me away, um, but I'm definitely gonna be pulling from that and putting some of those into the post tomorrow to, to make it a bit of a more, a more community uh, reflection on the season. So John, if no, you haven't gotten your thoughts in yet. You should get your uh, thoughts in. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that the, uh, you summed it up perfectly. Where it's I, when you look at this is a team that just kind of started out and started out in such a bizarre year and doesn't have the uh, background of having a bunch of uh, players that have played together for even previous seasons. Or um, I don't know where everyone goes back to uh, geographically once uh, once the games stop as well. Whether uh, uh, they had to kind of pull people from all over to come back and uh, even practice for uh, uh, the uh, return to play uh, for, uh, well, for the one game return to play. Um, but I, I think the six were kind of at a disadvantage with that as well as being the one team that had to cross the border and uh, go through uh, a few extra hurdles to get there. So um, as well as, I mean, just... Anytime you have a single elimination tournament in hockey, it can go yeah. any way. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that with the uh, Frozen Four for uh, the uh, men's uh, NCAA tournament right now, too, where it's like, oh, another upset, another upset. Well, it's like after a while, the upsets every game stop being fun, and you just kind of realize that uh, hockey is a coin flip between who wins 3-2. Uh, and right. Uh, the six at least made it a bit more clear that they weren't going to win by losing uh, 6-1, but uh, it's still kind of that um, another day or having a couple of games to kind of learn from that first game. Uh, I think they showed in the, the first go of the round robin that uh, they put things together pretty quickly, and I think that that's a tribute to Digit Murphy's coaching as well, that uh, they adapt and adjust so quickly to uh, what works for them. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I mean, so much, there's so much talent and skill on that team. It's, it's unreal. It really is. Uh, I mean, it, 
we talk about them somewhat as an underdog, but I mean, they, they do have a bit of a stacked lineup as well, where yeah, it, it is yeah. a very talented team. Uh, it's yeah, not, next season, they're not an underdog. That's that's just the freshman status, right? Next yeah. season, that's not. They're, they're heavy hitters. Yeah, it wasn't an Atlanta Thrashers type expansion. It was a Vegas Golden Knights type expansion yeah. uh, for, yep. for the exactly. six. But exactly. uh, just to share a similar story, it's, uh, we didn't get the chance to... Um, uh, for me and my daughter to watch the the game this week, uh, mainly because uh, I'm one of the few people who still hasn't uh, downloaded Twitch, and <laughs> uh, that puts me at a disadvantage for watching uh, uh, NWHL games. But um, we had a similar experience watching uh, uh, the uh, Dream Gap tour not that long ago, where I uh, just uh, was putting my son down for a nap, then. Uh, uh, come out of his room and I'd been watching the dream gap, uh, game and my daughter was like, there's girls playing right now. And it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. It's like girls play hockey too. And it's like, you've gone to a girl's hockey game. It's, um, because we've, uh, the only way that she let me take her to a, a hockey game and I wanted to take her to her first hockey game was going, we went to see, uh, the University of Alberta Pandas uh, women's hockey team play, and that was her first exposure to live hockey. And uh, seeing it live was enough to get her where I could twist her arm, and to now she's uh, registered for the um, Bauer uh, first shift uh, hockey uh, program. So she'll be learning to play hockey, and uh, just I, I don't think that would be possible without uh, seeing things. Uh, like women playing hockey, uh, either in person or on TV. So it's uh, it's great for her to have that encouragement. We started doing the same thing where it's because uh, I lived in Connecticut for a while. It's we're now watching uh, the Yukon Huskies uh, women's team uh, go on their annual run through the uh, uh, the bracket, and it's uh, just great that uh, women's sports are now uh, getting. More exposure, still not enough exposure, but more exposure than, say, uh, what I recall growing up. Definitely. No, it's de it's definitely moving in the right direction. And um, it's really fun. And I will say that in, I think that that made my daughter a little more interested in general, because the next day when I asked the kids if they wanted to watch the Mighty Ducks Game Changers series, and I said to my daughter, <laughs> it's kids playing hockey, she goes, to my son, Logan, it's kids hockey this time. Let's watch kids hockey. So I think then Saturday night, I turned the Leafs game on. I saw she's and she goes, Is it boys hockey again? Like super disappointed. <laughs> so she doesn't want to watch NHL hockey, but any other hockey is a go. Well, I can't blame anyone for not wanting to watch Leafs hockey. Uh, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking okay, so speaking of Leafs hockey, let's uh let's pivot to that. Since we're uh, since we led into that so nicely, and that was not that was not planned on my part, but hey, yeah. it works. Way so I, I kind of yeah, right. I want to start off, I think, with the fact that yes, the Leafs have won the last three, but two of those were in overtime. So like, why can't they win in regulation? What is going on? Oh, and my apologies for my cat falling off furniture in the background right now. Um, Magic Cat is always welcome. Yeah, Magic Cat is just discovered um, the drawstrings for blinds. So, <laughs> you know, my daughter also likes to play with those. I think she might be part cat. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So, um, back to your so question. Leafs can't win. Yeah, Leafs can't win in regulation. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's been tough to watch the past couple of games. It's yeah. they're winning, so it's we wind up with all the good vibes shortly after the game's over. But I think uh, what's really getting lost is the fact that they've looked like a very poor offensive team in Mm -hmm. the uh, first couple of uh, periods of Mm -hmm. uh, each of those games. It's um, they're still getting the shots. Austin Matthews is struggling to generate offense or not generate offense. That's wrong. He's struggling to hit the net. Poor guy. He's hit so many posts over the last couple games. (laughs) And I mean, it's with the lingering wrist injury. I I feel like he gets, he's getting a bit of a pass, but I, right. I think, no, yeah, I didn't mean that to sort of yeah. put it on him, but I do feel like the way he goes, the team goes a little bit. So, like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's this this weird thing the team does that when he's not on the ice because he's injured, they really step up their game. Like, they know their best player isn't there. They all need to push. When he's there, they tend to rely on him a little. And so even when he's there but has a pass because his wrist is still bothering him, the rest of the team isn't making up the difference. Well, and I think that... It's it's too much of it is relying on on Matthews being Matthews, uh, right? And it's they're still looking for him in the same spot where it's like here's where he's going to do a quick release, perfectly accurate wrist shot, and he's going to beat the goalie. And they keep on looking for him and finding him in those situations. And the poor guy is just like, no, find someone else. It's right. like let let me be the one moving the puck right now, uh, or or catch him in transition or something else where um, it's the Leafs are, are are still producing the same number of shots, but they're still kind of producing the same type of shots that rely on Austin Matthews at a hundred percent. And they don't have that quick release wrist shot uh, within um, the high danger scoring areas of the ice, quite like Matthews. So when they're handing it off to other players or even to Matthews at this point, it's not getting the same results. uh, I think that they've experienced before. And when Matthews isn't scoring down low, um, then roughly, then it's, they're relying a lot more on transition goals and they haven't been great in transition lately. And I think another issue has been, they've been, looking uh, too high on the goalies that they've been playing against. And you look at, um, say, Philip Gustafson, Dave Riddich, uh, Mike Smith, none of these are good goalies. Uh, they're all goalies that have less, uh, less than exemplary rebound control, yet they're continuing to shoot high on it, like they're trying to place Austin Matthews' wrist shots in the net. And I think they are not tapping into uh, right now. It's not going to be Marner or Matthews or Thornton that are going to be producing uh, offense. It's They can take that initial shot, but it's going to be the Simmons, the Tavares, the uh, Hymans of the world that are going to uh, kind of get the greasy rebound goals. And that's what they need to be looking for a bit more uh, on off of lower shots is right. at least my two cents at this point. Uh so 
just as we're talking about this, and and I I think we're gonna try to get the pot up today, right? Because there's late breaking news that Uh-oh. speaking speaking <laughs> of the Leafs, and we were gonna talk about goaltending. Jack Campbell is not starting tonight. Michael Hutchinson is. Apparently, Campbell was not feeling super fantastic yesterday after Saturday's game. Is feeling better today, but they need to continue to manage his workload. So, in on top of offense, we're also having some goaltending stuff in with the Leafs aren't we you know Freddie Anderson is day-to-day right now which you know makes sense because he was not doing well um Jack Campbell has been is now six and oh on the season right he's won all six games he's played in net for the Leafs am I right yeah he's yeah he's matched the Buffalo Sabres uh for uh (laughs) wins on the year uh if I Um, recall correctly and even though Saturday, so Saturday's game against the Oilers, the Oilers, the Oilers, and that's what that's it. That's what they're called now, the Oilers. Let's stick with it. Same <laughs> color scheme. They're now one team. <laughs> the, the, um, the. Well, that, I was putting together Edmonton and Oilers, Oil, <laughs> Oilers. Okay. Anyways, the that didn't make sense. The <laughs> Saturday's game against Edmonton was probably Jack's like shakiest game so far this season, and even he said that. Um, and luckily, you know, the offense was enough to uh, to pull out a win anyways, but he he didn't look super solid. And then it makes sense. Yesterday, they said he was taking a maintenance day. Now they're saying he wasn't feeling fantastic. So they're giving him a day off. But he's a day to day and we've got Hutch. So what's what are we what are your thoughts on the whole goaltending, the rotate rotating goalies and the issues? What are you thinking? Well, I mean, this is kind of getting into uh, the really sad and unfortunate uh, territory for Jack Campbell, where uh, he's proven that he, at least based off the number of starts he's had so far, that he can at least kind of hold his own as a potential tandem goaltender, if not uh, be an NHL starter. But he's also running into that same problem that the Leafs had uh, when Reimer was... uh, uh, putting up decent numbers where it's a matter of him staying healthy enough and being able to rely on him. And that reliability is uh, a pretty important uh, issue with a, a goaltender, unfortunately. And um, I, I look at uh, Arizona right now where they've got two capable goaltenders in Antti Ranta and Darcy Kemper, but both of them have... Uh, have uh, had uh, injury woes and they're out of the out of the playoff spot because of it. Uh, so it's I, I feel like Campbell's possibly transitioning towards kind of that sad anti-Ranta type uh, type of outcome for his career, which I don't want to wish on him. But um, I think it's speaking to the Leafs' need need a solid everyday option uh, in that. And uh, that doesn't appear to be Anderson because he's now too inconsistent. And I mean, he's not healthy either. uh, And Campbell's not healthy enough. And I mean, Hutchinson is not an option to go to for any more than uh, this kind of one-off, let's not panic, it's just one game type situation. Right. I mean, that's that's where we are. So I think that they're at the trade deadline, which feels unlikely. 
Um, but definitely in the off season, goaltending has to be the number one thing that they're working on. As much as I'd love the number one thing they're working on to be um, a new contract for Zach Hyman, realistically, <laughs> they need they need a they need a goalie or two. Well, um, and, I, and I, you know, I don't think that I don't think that uh, one interferes with the other too much uh, to to be the optimist in this because I don't think that the Leafs need that stellar all star level goaltender. They just need say someone like. It. Peter Morazic, I mean, bad example again, because he's had his health issues, but I guess all goaltenders, once they reach free agency age, also have health issues that go along with them. But uh, if you can at least find two guys and then have a third guy that you're kind of excited to play rather than like going, oh crap, it's Michael Hutchinson. (laughs) Uh, Right. Like right. I look at Ottawa Who, by the way, I mean, we say, oh, crap, it's Michael Hutchinson, and I know he got pulled in that game. But, like, before that, he was doing okay. He's had he's had some decent showings for the Leafs. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, he I shut guess, out the Oilers. And wouldn't that be great if he does it again? But it's it just always worries about which version of him shows up. Right. And right. But that's the same thing with Freddie Anderson. Who's the starter. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> that's true. Uh, it's, I think that uh, with Hutchinson, he might, uh, I might have a tendency to brutalize him just out of my bias against any goaltender that catches with their right hands because uh, they're weird and strange and scare me because they're different. Uh, but <laughs> that's, but Hutchinson yeah. just doesn't even even Anderson, you're like, hey, maybe this could be like February where he had his typical nine eighteen save percentage that we all knew and loved for years. Uh, maybe we'll get that on a consistent basis. Hutchinson is just you have no idea what you're getting on any given situation. The fact that he wound up well against the Oilers last time and uh, Which I will put in my pregame that I'm going to write as soon as we are done <laughs> recording the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I it's true. I get it. I mean, he's just there's there's just no. I mean, I, I want to say there's no consistency, but then that's like the struggle with Freddie too. But actually, Freddie has been consistently kind of not great. But um, the there's you don't know what you're getting with him. I mean, last season he stepped in for the Avs. Speaking of goalie <laughs> issues in the playoffs and had like. Two or three, I think, great games, and then one stinker. And, like, that's what we're seeing, too. Two or three pretty solid games, and then he lets in, like, three in the first three minutes or something. Yeah, and I I think that there's something to that. I think he wants to show up and prove people wrong. So maybe the fact that he had a lousy game, and since then they've added a a new fourth-string goaltender uh, and... And goaltending concerns have been the talk of Leafland. It's it seems that uh, all signs are pointing to Hutchinson trying to show up and uh, prove yeah. everyone wrong. But I I also think the team in general it's they suffer from like relying on the like they play differently in front of depending on who is in net. And I think that that game against was it the Ottawa game where Hutchinson got pulled? It was right. Yeah. Um, I think that they, you know, Hutchinson had showed up for a few games and they were kind of like, okay, like it's all right now. Like we don't need to, we don't need to insulate him or protect him. Um, and then what happened? Right. And so the, I think that, that's, yeah, that's been the problem with the Anderson for a number yeah. of years yeah. or 
for the past couple of years where it's they've still been playing in front of him like it's uh oh freddie's back there he can stop it. it's like well right. no right he can't do that right. anymore exactly and, and so i think that if they go in tonight with that mentality of okay it's hutch and we really need to like just not let him see the puck at all then they might be okay like those are the games that hutch seems to win when the team is like just just a flurry of offense and they they barely let the other team touch the puck hutch does all right it's almost like he needs I, i'm going to compare this to, to my fitness routine i ride my peloton if you don't know that about me like a lot but if i'm really gonna like ride hard and ride well i need to warm up for a long time so i need like 10 15 20 hutch needs like a half of a period to like feel good out there before he even sees the puck or else it's just not going to go well. So they just need to keep the puck away from him for like a good 10 or 15 minutes and then he might be okay. Exactly. It's like keep the McDavid shots away from him. Let, let him feel a few Gaetan Haas and uh, James Neal shots. And then exactly. And then by second period, he's gotta warm uh, up and, and yeah. he's, he's, he needs to like be in there for a little, get his legs. Anyways, We'll see what happens tonight. Um, so speaking of uh, where the Leafs are now and adding and, and moving players around. So Galchenyuk, that is how it is pronounced. I have, just, I have, I have figured this out because last game they were moving this, the emphasis around each syllable of his last name, but it is Galchenyuk. A so traditional Wisconsin you, name. Yes. Yes. What are you thinking? What do you, what do you like? What don't you like? What are your thoughts on him and how he's fitting in so far? Is it three games he's been with the Leafs? Yeah, I, yeah, I think three games now he's been in the lineup, which is the perfect amount to judge a player to his fullest. Um, yep. but, That's it. A, and but everything the, we say now will will last forever. Yeah, he is permanently uh, top six. He, he should never be separated from uh, playing in the top six. That's <laughs> It's what he does now. Um, but seriously, he's looked good in in that uh, position and um i think he's shown enough of that uh that four checking role like he's kind of adapted his game to from where you look at a few years ago in montreal oh he was going to be their star number one center where it's like <laughs> oh stupid montreal but it's through kind of his bouncing around the league it it seems like toronto's been able to kind of catch him at the uh at the rock bottom point and caught him at the point where he's willing to rebuild his role. And the fact that he's now kind of the in there kind of dig the puck out of the corners, uh, go to the front of the net, kind of be a bit more greasy version of himself, but still has the, um, the uh, offensive capability to throw a good pass and, um, and finish when needed. Um, I think that he's, Turning into a good fit, he's definitely priced right for Toronto, and um, yeah, it's I'm. I was a fan of the idea of bringing him in when he was on waivers. The fact that they traded for him afterwards and were able to get this kind of rebuilding opportunity out of him in the Marlies because he had cleared waivers was a bonus, and I think uh, definitely helped him and the Leafs uh, and. I mean, yeah, three games in, but I already want him back for next year. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't really have anything different to say. I think that what the Leafs did really well is they they did went through the process properly with him in terms of getting him 
ready to join the lineup and not rushing him and not expecting him to be something he wasn't right away. Um, I think that the Leafs more than many other teams have the luxury of patience and have like really amazing development staff. And, you know, I, I also feel for the guy, like he's been bounced around. He's, you know, he's taken a lot of heat and bad press for not meeting expectations. And I think that um, as much as the Toronto media market can be, uh, tough and 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 hard on players. I think that the um, the organization is doing right by him. He's he's been a good find, and uh, it's and it's encouraging to see the Leafs are still looking to uh, add, despite the fact that they found uh, a good capable. Uh, Top six, middle six uh, type uh, forward. Um, uh, it's nice to see Dubis not uh, not resting on a couple of uh, moves early in the year, and that uh, he's still looking to improve this team. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, okay, so I don't want to feel like I don't want to run us too long. So let's do a quick. Um, there was a signing over the weekend. Uh, the Leafs signed a child i can't like i'm just i look <laughs> at these pictures and i'm like you are a baby i don't even understand um so what are, what are your thoughts on this and i i feel like people were talking about how the leafs would never do this sort of thing and then it happened and it, did you see that well i didn't see people anything about like, how they weren't uh like cause, uh, everything in the leafs past and history says they'll always kind of look at NCAA and uh, and Europe and always kind of try and find those wallets somewhere and bring in uh, bring in the strange little yeah, babies from uh, babies, babies. <laughs> from his name is Alex, yeah. he is a child yeah <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he's at least on the older side of the child, he's 21, he can now drink anywhere in North America, so good for you, Alex. Um, yeah. He'll be renting God. cars before you know it. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm thankful that we've got uh, Tony and Nick on the site uh, to kind of uh, fill in the blanks for us. Because yeah, to, I, to tell us what we think about him. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I don't want to pretend that I've been scouting Alex Steve's uh, all- all winter long and that this you is knew this was happening and like i've been calling for this and like oh we need to bring this this kid in no, oh it's they've got a good uh tony's got a good look at uh what steve's is and isn't and um it sounds like he's an offensively driven uh player with not a whole lot of defensive game to speak of at this point but it's starting to blossom and he's got some skating work so Barb Underhill is going to get put to work uh, once again, uh, but it, it's it's hard to be excited about uh, college free agents when they do kind of have a bit more of that kind of one trick uh, to them, where it's like, okay, my his game's offense. It's like great, so he's either going to find himself in the top six or he's going to be Marley's top six. It's there's no none of that kind of bottom six option in between for the Leafs. So with that, it's it's a little harder to be excited about him. And I think uh, 
the best bet for the Leafs is they spend a year kind of developing him, see what they can, what he truly is, and then um, packaging him out like they've done with other college free agents in the past, where it's it's still a name that uh, other teams are interested in, and uh, and they can kind of flip him uh, as a B prospect. Uh, in a deadline deal next year or something, which might be a bit of a cold way of looking at it, but uh, um, he's probably more of a temporary asset than he is a, a true solution for the Leafs down the line. Makes sense. Um, well, speaking of adding new players, any thoughts on trade rumors? Anyone you're hoping that they're targeting? What do you, let's let's sort of wrap up with what we think the Leafs might do before the trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first with this one? Because it's I've, <laughs> I've got a bunch of complicated thoughts. So I'm sure I'll work. You through. have a bunch of complicated thoughts. <laughs> I mean, I, for for me, I'm not. I like the lineup. I don't know. I, I know that Kyle Dubas has been talking about um, forwards and a top six forward. And, and I mean, I guess I, I get it obviously. And I, I never, I'm not one of those people who thinks I know better than, um, the, you know, the coaching staff or the front office staff, but I, I like the lineup. And I think that early in the season, not even early for most of the beginning of the season, we really saw what this team can do and will do. I think that there's a bit of a, a lull right now, which they're clawing their way out of. I mean, I know we talked right at the beginning about how, you know, Two overtime wins out of three wins is not ideal, but they're still wins and they are climbing their way out. So I, I, I think that the lineup in general is pretty good. I think that for me, the goaltending is is going to make or break them in the playoffs. If Jack can't stay healthy, if Freddie is not showing up, which, you know, he's not he's not been great in playoffs for us, um, you know, that could tank the team. So. I'm hoping that maybe they're thinking about that. I don't think they are, but that would be my ideal. What about you? Well, I, I agree with you. I think that looking at goaltending is something the Leafs need to do. And that's one where I honestly believe that Dubas is looking at that. Like he's he's consistently in the past given votes of confidence to his goaltenders, but then I mean, that's how Jack Campbell came in. It's like, oh, no, Michael Hutchinson is a perfectly fine backup to Freddie Anderson. Oh, look, we acquired Jack Campbell. It's like, no, we have perfect confidence in our, our goaltenders. Aaron Dell brought in as a third stringer, and Vanny Vejolainen uh, brought in as a, a fourth stringer. Uh, so it's he's given that vote of confidence to, to healthy Anderson, could be a capable tandem with Campbell. I don't fully buy that. Uh, I think that they've been very vocal about looking for uh, for forwards and beefing up the lineup there, which is good because it's as much as I agree the the Leafs have a, a very good lineup, and I'm happy with who's in the lineup any given night. But I still look at what uh, Tampa did last year and look for ways to put themselves over the top or. Right. Uh, kind of even like a, a grosser version of that where it's you look at what Columbus did a few years back where it's like they just got to the point where it's like we're sick of being a team that's never made it to the second round of the playoffs. We're just going to go and uh, 
mortgage our future so we can get to the second round of the playoffs. It's like, honestly, the Leafs are at that point where it's like, can we please just see the second round one year so we can uh, uh, get past uh, that I know, embarrassment like the monkey level. on the back. I know. I agree. But uh, I agree. But I, I'm, I also have that kind of thought of like, I hate the idea of mortgaging the future for, uh, like it's, I don't want to see um, our four top prospect babies uh, sent out for um, right. like a month of Michael Granlund or um, right. Taylor Hall. It's, uh, I like Taylor Hall. I think that he's a great player, but I mean, that's something where you're committing to likely losing Alex Kerfoot uh, as well, or brokering a, a deal through third party so more salary can get retained. And then you're you're paying a premium for Hall, and then you're paying a premium to to be able to fit them into your cap. So um, I don't know whether that's as much what they need. I, I, I like the bargain uh, approach this year because – it's an interesting year where there was no shortage of uh, players who had to take underwhelming one-year contracts uh, to get signed onto a team for the year. So there's plenty of Joe Thornton-type contracts around uh, on worse teams, on non-playoff-bound teams. So it's um, guys like Bobby Ryan, which I'm not a big Bobby Ryan fan, but right. for a couple of months, I can like what uh, Bobby Ryan brings to. Uh, to the Leafs, and I think it's something where it's a bit more about targeting guys who maybe it's a, a third-round pick or a B prospect or at most like a second-round pick, and you bring in someone who um, beefs up the uh, bottom part of the roster that way. Or uh, the one guy that I really like is uh, Tyler Mott in uh, Vancouver, where it's uh, he was having a good year pre-injury, uh, but he brings a lot of that checking, forceful game that uh, is missing from the Leafs and could be useful in the playoffs. And he's, again, another million-dollar player where it's easy enough to fit him in. Uh, it's just a matter of who then comes out of the lineup, uh, which is uh, the biggest challenge for the Leafs. And then who has to clear waivers because they don't have... Uh, option for anyone who clears waivers so so i think i'd rather see a bunch of minor upgrades than maybe go for a big fish at this point unless you're finding someone who truly is like going to be a part of the team for years to come and in that case you go all in on them like it's say like if calgary really is uh imploding and rebuilding and they're shopping Monaghan or Goudreau or something like that, uh, right. then maybe you pay the premium to bring someone in with a bit of term. Right. You do have lots of complicated thoughts on this, John. Makes. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess we'll see. It's coming up soon. I think we're like three weeks out from the trade deadline, maybe two and a half at this point. So yeah. we'll see what they do, if anything. Um, Ian, my friend Ian, who hosts uh, Lockdown Boston Bruins, commented that he thought it was going to be a quiet uh, trade deadline because of the issues with quarantine and COVID. And I know that there's been talk about making some changes to to those rules, but I guess we'll see what happens. Um, so that's, I think, what's happening with the Leafs quite a bit, to be honest. Um, 
but anything that we didn't uh, cover? No, just happy that this is now the final game against the Oilers this year. So, Right, uh, for... that's true. We're getting to the point where we're wrapping up our nine games against each team or whatever it is, which is pretty... I know people have been saying they've been getting sick of it. It hasn't really bothered me. Um, I do see how maybe it's impacted. This is a whole topic that I'm starting right when I said we were going to wrap up. But anyways, I'll just very <laughs> quickly say I do think that maybe it has something to do with sort of like why it seems like the Leafs can't break out of a slump quicker because they're playing the same teams over and over. The teams get used to them. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Maybe, maybe time for some creativity, Sheldon. Well, I think that, I think that that's, it's, you know, it's the regular season. It's these games for the most part are pretty meaningless. It's oh my God. That's we, what Ian says too. the two of you. <laughs> regular season is meaningless. Okay. But I still want to watch good hockey. Yeah, well, and I mean, I think it is good hockey, but I think it has an opportunity to be more interesting hockey as well, where it's it's something where we don't need to see the same lines every single night. It's like, okay, yeah, oh, look, Matthews and Marner are playing so well together. It's like, well, good. It's like, we know we can go back to them at some point down the road, but it's like, let's get a bit more of a look at Matthews with Nylander, or it's like, let's find out whether we can kind of split split them up into kind of roll three three lines where it's like maybe you wind up with Marner with Kerfoot and Thornton or something weird. It's like get weird with it. It's yeah, it's, get, we weird. Know the, we, get weird. We know, the, we know the Leafs are a playoff team at this point. It doesn't really matter whether they're first seed or fourth seed. They're gonna be in the playoffs. Right. Play right. around with it. It's find I mean, out what Riley looks of, like of with Bogosian. There's a little bit of pride in them being first seed. Like, I don't know. I kind of want them to win the division. But in the end, you're right. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, maybe they, I don't know, whatever. We can talk about, we can talk about playoff strategy on another podcast or our yeah, ideas of playoff that's strategy. That's our hook for the next show. Yeah, that's, I hear small feet running up the stairs to my office. So I think I'm about to get burst in on by a child, which okay. seems like a good time for us to wrap the pod for today. So um, thank you for listening. Hopefully you are listening to this before Monday night's game against the Oilers. Michael Hutchinson in net should be interesting. Don't forget that last time he was in net against the Oilers, he had a shutout. Now, now that that's been said, I'm knocking on like 18 different types of wood and crossing everything because I'm very superstitious. I do not think Michael Hutchinson will get a shutout. I did not say that. Nobody say I said that. Anyways, thanks for listening to... No, you didn't hear anything. Thanks for listening to Channel 6 podcast. And um, we will catch you next time with more Toronto hockey.